Three years ago today, my life and the life of many Lebanese changed forever. Some people lost a loved one, others lost their homes and businesses. Some were physically scarred for life, and many are still mentally and emotionally reeling from that fateful day. The one thing in common is that we're all still seeking answers. What happened on August 4, 2020? And who will pay the price for the negligence that altered the course of our lives in many different ways? For me, the Beirut port explosion was the start of my journey as an uprooted Lebanese. I knew the country was never a safe haven. That was far from true. For decades, life in Lebanon had been marred by conflict and corruption, but it was home. And home wasn't perfect, but at least I belonged. Much of the life I had built for myself was in or near the center of the capital that was completely destroyed by the blast. It all turned to rubble that day. And when I took to the streets with hundreds of others in the cleanup campaigns after the explosion, the city I once knew looked so unrecognizable. For days and nights after August 4, I was glued to the TV and my mobile screen, listening to the stories of the victims and watching their families try to find what's left of them amid the destruction. The survivor's guilt kicked in. Until this day, it all still feels surreal. Before August 4, the thought of leaving Lebanon had never crossed my mind. But on September 4, as an email exchange shows, I applied for my first job abroad. Now I live somewhere in between Lebanon and the UAE. Abu Dhabi gives me the stability and the opportunities that I had always dreamed of. And Beirut allows me to catch up on time spent away from my loved ones. This is Beyond the Headlines, and I'm your host, Fatima El Mahmoud. In this episode, I am in Beirut, reflecting on how August the 4th, which witnessed the largest non-nuclear explosion in history in Beirut, changed the lives of many, including myself. Some Lebanese decided to leave the country and others decided to stay. They're in different places and positions in life, yet they share the same feeling. But before we start, if you want to get all the latest episodes as soon as they come out, then just hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts. Sometimes I close my eyes and I take a trip back in time to August 3rd, 2020, before it all happened. At that time, Lebanon was experiencing a period of significant political, economic, and social turmoil. It culminated in October 2019, when widespread anti-government protests erupted, triggered by public frustration over government corruption, mismanagement, and economic inequality. The country was also facing its worst economic crisis in decades, after a severe shortage of foreign currency, leading to a liquidity crisis in banks and restrictions on withdrawals. At that time, the Lebanese pound lost a significant portion of its value, leading to soaring inflation and a rise in the cost of living for citizens. Pre-August 4, COVID was all over the place. Uh, The country's economic and political uh, well-being was in a very disastrous situation. So the country was in ruins. Uh, Jobs were not really something you can depend on. Mobility was an issue. So I was just minding my own business and just surviving by the day. Every day we were like facing something worse and worse happening. We were struggling. My dad was sick and I was always struggling to get him into a hospital and everything. So um, I was working, getting back home. And then try to chill in the afternoon with uh, with my friends, trying to avoid as much as I can anything related to the situation of the country. People were coping or trying to escape from the pain of reality. There was a shortage in basic necessities, including wheat for bread, 
medication, hospital equipment, and basically every sector in the country. People had no idea if there was ever going to be a solution for this. Then there was a nail in the coffin. A devastating explosion occurred in the port area of Beirut, resulting from the detonation of hundreds of tons of ammonium nitrate, which had been improperly stored in a warehouse for several years. In just a few minutes, the blast caused destruction across the city, with the shockwave shattering windows, damaging buildings, and leaving streets covered in debris. The explosion was so powerful that it was felt many kilometers away from the epicenter. Nader Huella remembers what happened. Now, the first blast, I was like, what the hell was that? This is definitely an earthquake because the whole building shook. And it was such a big, big blast in terms of a sound. It was something unprecedented. And then the second blast happened. I was like, okay, something is going on. This is another earthquake. So the first thing that came to mind was the word earthquake, nothing else. So I went back to my room exactly at the bed where I was, you know, laying um, just a few minutes before. On that spot, the whole glass of my window, a very big window, full glass, was just all over my bed. The immediate aftermath of the explosion was chaotic, with emergency services overwhelmed by the scale of the disaster. Hospitals were full of casualties, and there were reports of many people being trapped under the debris. The explosion resulted in a significant loss of life, with more than 200 people killed, more than 6,000 others injured, and many more reported missing. The blast also caused severe damage to homes, businesses, and infrastructure in the vicinity, leaving thousands of people displaced. Many people were left in dire need of assistance, and numerous local and international volunteer organizations and individuals came forward to provide aid and support to the affected communities in Lebanon. Naram Randur recalls that day. I believe I was so shocked in a way I was not able to think or analyze or understand what's happening. Um, and then the other day I went to work. After the work, I heard people helping in the neighborhood. So I started to feel like I need to help also, but I'm not able, like, I don't have the energy to do it. So eventually I forced myself in the weekend. Um, oh, someone in the village collected for me, like, um, covers and pillows to help people. So I found myself responsible to just distribute them, you know. But I don't have the experience with this. So I called my, my friend. He works for the Red Cross. Um, and, you know, like at that moment, there were a lot of people trying to help. And then we found ourselves in WhatsApp groups with people we don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't remember what happened. And then I just found myself with my brother, this friend and two other uh, girls that it was the first time I'm meeting them, distributing the pillows and uh, the covers in the neighborhood of Carantina. The explosion's traumatic nature, coupled with the existing economic crisis and political instability, contributed to a deterioration in the mental well-being of many individuals in the country. Many Lebanese found it difficult to process the incident. To that moment, I am unable to process what happened. To that moment. Yet, when the news started coming in, I wasn't really focused on what happened, what was the reason, uh, ammonium, fireworks. This is not where my mind was going. My mind exactly was going 
towards the immense destruction that struck my city. It was like, what happened to my city? The people. Um, people dead, others are heavily wounded, and they just kept coming in and in and in, and more and more and more. It's like, what was happening to my community, to my city? That was the only thing that actually did not really shock me only. It made me feel numb, totally numb. Um, and I was just speechless the entire night because it was extremely heavy to, to actually, you know, consume this, this pain second after second. Um, so I really didn't care why it happened. I would just want, I just wanted this, this bloodshed to stop. The explosion caused immense trauma and grief for those who lost loved ones, witnessed the devastation, or experienced injuries themselves. The sudden and catastrophic nature of the event led to feelings of shock, sadness, and despair. It left them anxious and fearful about their safety in the future. The unpredictability of the event and the uncertainty it brought to the already unstable situation in the country contributed to that. Many Lebanese were at risk of developing post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. The distressing memories, flashbacks, and nightmares associated with a traumatic event could have long-lasting effects on their mental health. Days and months later, people started suffering from distressing memories, flashbacks, and nightmares associated with a traumatic event. The combination of the explosion's impact, economic crisis, and political instability led to a sense of hopelessness and helplessness among people. Up until that moment, Nadir, Naram, and I, among hundreds of thousands of people who were in Beirut during that time, shared the same experience. But our fate was different. Nadir has decided to leave the country. He is now living in Riyadh as a business lecturer. Yes, it was a turning point. Okay, just like many Lebanese, I had issues with the system. I had issues with the country. Things are not working out. Things are bad. But to a certain extent, it was livable. I had a glimmer of hope. After that blast and the, the chain of events that followed, I came to realize that, okay, I cannot coexist with the system anymore. Because, first of all, accountability is nowhere to be seen. And unfortunately, I have this very strong feeling that nobody will be held accountable. The culprits will not be held accountable. And unfortunately, day by day, I'm being proven right. It was a turning point because of the trauma it created. Okay, I was not physically affected. Not my close loved ones. We were all safe and sound. But my community was, was just broken into pieces. And you could see that everywhere. Everybody was traumatized. This collective trauma is something I could not ignore. And I felt I, can, I just need to take a distance from it because it was way too painful. Um, and this is one of, my, one of the main reasons why I decided to leave. I needed to stay away from that trauma. Um, maybe because I'm very empathetic. Maybe because this community matters a lot to me. But it's mostly because um, you feel like I have to live in this country day by day, okay? And 
nothing happened to me and if you, and my loved ones okay so does this mean we were lucky yes we were lucky i cannot live in a country where i have to live by luck lebanon has a long history of emigration due to various factors including economic challenges political uncertainties and regional conflicts the explosion in beirut coupled with the already dire situation in the country likely prompted additional individuals and families to consider leaving for other countries This is not the first case of bloodshed, basically, in Lebanon. I mean, we've seen too much at this point. Growing up, I always heard that Lebanon is very unstable. Lebanon, you might never know when the next thing might happen. You're never really safe. You're never really stable. So what was it about August 4 in specific? Because you said you lived your whole life in Lebanon. What was it about August 4 in specific that you were like, I'm packing, I'm getting out of here. There's no future or there's no life for me here anymore. Because it was made by the system, protected by the system, and ignored by the system. You live in a system that thrives and survives on your pain and trauma and on abusing you. But as thousands decided to leave the country and seek a normal life somewhere else, others couldn't pluck up the courage to fly the borders for good and decided to stay. Naram is one of those. She currently works in the IT field. After the blast, it was the first time for my life thinking that maybe we need to leave, like nothing left in this country after all what what was happening. Um, And then I don't know, I was hesitating, thinking about it, trying to digest it, thinking what are the options, no, 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 whatever. And for some reason, I stayed again, like I didn't leave. Um, I don't regret it at all. For me, I love this country. I love the people living in this country. With everything happening here, and somehow I'm able to deal with it. Um, I'm someone sociable, so I like social life and everything. And I feel like it's going to be hard for me to start a new life um, abroad. But staying for Naram also meant that she had to say goodbye to her friends and loved ones who decided to leave. And coping with that was not easy. This is trauma, especially that in Lebanon, you always have the waves of people leaving, you know. So after the blast, like with all what we are living and the blast and the trauma, you also have to say bye to a lot of people. Uh, very hard, very painful. Um, but I found a solution for it by having friends with expats living in Lebanon. So this helped me a little bit also. I asked Naram if she thinks this means she has some unfinished business with the country. It's not just about the justice for the blast. It's about everything happening in this country. And that's what I was trying to convince people before the blast that please stay because we need to do the change. Like if we all leave, who's going to do the change in this country? I know that I don't have this big power. I don't have a superpower. I cannot change a lot, but I'm changing as much as I can. Like, And that's what I'm trying to do with the friends uh, that are still here or the, who are who came back that just try to change to do these small changes around us this might have uh, an impact um, somewhere meanwhile those who left found a sense of stability somewhere else but sacrificed a lot in return most importantly the sense of belonging to a family as nadir explains i am distant from my parents That's a sacrifice. I'm distant from my friends. I'm very distant from my comfort zone. The community I've lived in for all my life, 
I am distant from it. Um, Lebanon is a country that is, for me, easy to deal with, easy to go around. I did sacrifice all of that. But at the end of the day, everything has a cost. So, yes, I sacrifice, but I'm very much convinced and I'm happy to sacrifice all of that. Because in return, I am taking all the things that I deserve and I haven't found over here. And I'm willing to pay even more, okay, to even more distant locations and even better opportunities beyond that, the limits of this, of this country. So, yeah, I did sacrifice and I'm happy I did. The 4th of August 2020 was a turning point for many Lebanese. Many people had parted ways, but the pain is still unhealed. Family members of the victims are still calling for justice and the domestic investigation remains stalled. Lebanese people might still live many anniversaries of the blast until they get their real closure and move on, either by completely healing, going back to the country, or living in peace. This was Beyond the Headlines. Thanks this week to Nadir Huwella and Nadam Ghandour. This episode was produced by Matt Kiniston, Dua Farid, and Arthur Edison, and I'm your host, Fatima El Mahmoud. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with others who might benefit from this conversation. <laughs>